Welcome. You're about to listen to a message from LifePoint, a warm, friendly, and vibrant community for the young at heart. Let's get into the word. Go ahead and declare. Father, in the name of Jesus, say it after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, as I sit to listen to your word today, I thank you because my eyes are open to see. Your word comes to me as reproof, as correction, as instruction for righteousness, making me perfect and thoroughly furnished unto every good work. It is light to my path. It is oil to my face, causing joy to fill my life. Today, my questions are answered. Today, I receive direction. I receive clarity. I receive revelation. As your spirit broods upon my heart, making my heart a fertile seed, a fertile ground for the seed of your word as it is sown. I thank you, Father, as I eat at your table today. My life will not remain the same again. In Jesus' name we pray and agree. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father. We give you all praise for your word comes forth with simplicity and accuracy, ministering grace to every era, doing an internal and an eternal work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we start a new teaching series today. And for those who were in church last month, um, we spoke about the greatness imperative, living a life of significance. And one of the things that we did that was quite instructive was uh, the model of Jesus, how Jesus models greatness to us, how he models what a life of impact and relevance looks like, which is essentially a life of light. Um, I would love for us to pray, so please follow me because I would like not to spend too much time um, just teaching only so that we can invest some quality time in praying for ourselves and for one another. All right, so this month, the theme is the creator's DNA. The creator's, can we have the slides up, please? The creator's DNA. And today's topic is called co-creators, co-creators. You and I recognizing ourselves as co-creators with God. Let's take our first reading from the book of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. New, the NIV translation. Genesis 1, 1 to 3. Can we have it up on screen? We're going to read together. Or go ahead and open it on your devices. Anybody there? Fantastic. Let's read together. One, two, go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was, all right. Let's jump to verses 26 and 27. Same Genesis 1. It says, want to go? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, 
male and female. Amen. So we see very clearly here, we are introduced to a God who's the universal creator. We're introduced to a God who took something or took nothing and delivered many things from nothingness, essentially. We're introduced to a God who not only created um, all of the amazing things that we see and we behold in our universe, but went a step further to create us and gives very specific instruction. But the way he creates you and I, or the way he created you and I, is very different from every other thing that he created. In fact, this one was as though a committee sat and decided what man was going to look at. And the benchmark for the creation of man was that we would be in his image and after his likeness. Now, his image means his nature. That means you and I have been created in the nature of God to look like God, to act like God, to be like God. Help me tell someone beside you. You have been created in God's nature to look like him. And that's very important for someone here who's been dealing with very low self-esteem. They've told you all your life you're not beautiful. Just tell them I look like God. Yep, I look like God. And that's all that matters. So haters, what do you... <laughs> I don't think that is, that is pulpit worthy. Whatever it is we ask haters to do. Haters, come to Jesus. Eh? Okay, so I look like God. Go ahead. You look like God, sorry. Because you are created in his nature. You act like him. You are like him. Awesome. So we see here in scripture that not only has God gone ahead to create, he also has called us to be creators with him because we are in his nature. So the expectation is the same way God looked at an earth or created the heavens and the earth and there was no form, there was nothing. The spirit of God moving across the waters is the same way he expects that we should be able to sculpt new ideas, come up with new innovation, new solutions in our world that will make our world a better place. That is his expectation of us. And so we reflect God's glory when we creatively provide solutions, when we bring value, when we improve people, things and situations around us. That is the first thing to note. Looking at that scripture in Genesis 1, we reflect his glory. We reflect his nature. And so when we're not doing that, we're actually working at cross purposes against the original design. Now, I know that as at this time, sin had not come into the picture. When sin came, sin flipped the order of things. But when Jesus came, Jesus restored the order. And so you and I, as at the time God created us and put his breath in our nostrils, his expectation of us was that you can function this way I have designed you, in my image and after my likeness. You carry my nature. You carry my DNA. And someone needs to hold on to that as your word. I carry God's DNA. You know the power of DNA? A lot of us, I mean, by the time they check, you are, of course your DNA is a combination of your father and your mother's, right? But we're saying today that when God creates, the scripture says concerning you that before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I gave you biological parents through whom you will come. 
But you see, the greatest DNA that is at work in you is mine because I put my breath in you. I put my breath in. So my DNA is at work in you. And I know for that, someone's mind is probably blown right now. And you're like, well, my life doesn't exactly look like a life that God in, you know, is involved in. It doesn't really look like a life that carries God's DNA. Things have not worked so far. But God is saying to you, see, today is the day of revelation. Today is your day of light. Today is your day of breakthrough. Because the things that have shrouded you, the things that have kept you under, the things that have, you know, sort of been secret to you, those deep and secret things have been revealed to you. Why? Because you are a child. And that's why I said and invited everyone who's not in relationship to come into a relation so that this message can make sense. So that you approach this message with a mindset of ownership. With a mindset of I am like God. And not with a feeling of unworthiness. Unable to approach. Alright, so moving on. The beginning was ignited by God creating. And there are new beginnings that God is waiting on you and I to ignite. He's counting on you and I that we would ignite new beginnings in our industries, in our communities, in our families, in the places that he has positioned us. He's counting on you and I to ignite new beginnings by reason of his DNA that is inside you, his spirit. So the, when you think about creating or becoming co-creators with God or functioning as, in your capacity as a co-creator with God, there, there's some myths that I need to first debunk, you know, because when we talk about innovation and creativity, there's a way our minds process everything is new. But let me shock you that there is nothing that is new under the sun. First of all, I mean, was it not Solomon that said that, right? There's nothing new under the sun. Everything that needs to exist has already been created. And someone's mind might do a quick calculation. Eh, well, in the days when God created Adam and Eve, the iPad did not exist. There were no mobile phones and all. The form of it existed. The form of it existed. Please tell me anything that man has created that man had to go and, I don't even want to use the word develop, but man had to go and, Source it outside of what is available. Maybe there was a spirit, a man had to literally go into heaven and have a meeting with God. So we need to create the iPad. And so there is nothing on earth that can make this happen. We need something. We need to create the form, you know, create something new. There is nothing. Everything man made, yes came out of the form of what already existed, which means that there is nothing you and I need that God hasn't already created. There is nothing that you need. There is no solution to that challenge before you. There is no solution to that industry problem that has not been created already. And so where are we missing it? Where is the gap? Because if God has created everything, I mean, I remember being in Sunday school at some point and someone was trying to use this illustration or maybe older actually and someone was trying to use this illustration and sometimes we come to God out of ignorance asking for the things he's already done and so you come to God and you say God I need a chair I'm suffering so badly because I don't have a chair I need a chair and you do 40 days fast God I need a chair and God is so well I mean God can't be confused 
You get the picture. God is like, calls Gabriel and Michael like, what's going on with this, my child? The chair already exists. You need to see it. That's the first thing. You need to see that the wood that exists in it is an inherent capacity to become a chair. In it is an inherent capacity or potential to become a table. But what's happening with a lot of us is that we are not seen. We are not seen. So everything God created is still here. Everything man made is a combination of old and or existing things that man puts together. Whether it's plastic, whether it's wood, it exists from what already existed. So there is nothing new. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, For in him was created the universe of things, both, this is the Passion Translation, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. Why? He existed before anything was made. And now everything finds completion in him. And let me just say, go just very quickly into something important that I find is, you know, sort of troubling us in our world. We're finding or we're trying to find fulfillment and completion from the things that cannot satisfy. Scripture says here, everything, that's including you and I, we are only complete in him. We find completion in God. And so if you've tried to find it in a man, you're on your own. You've tried to find it in your job. The day you don't have a job, what happens to you? You become less of you. You're trying to find it in money. You've tried to find it in the affirmation of men. You're trying to find it in material things and possessions. And so you are on a drive to keep acquiring and acquiring and acquiring. Because you have, you've hit 30 billion and still it just feels like there is more ahead. You know, it feels like I can still rub shoulders with a certain type of people. And you keep going and going and going. You will never find completion in the things that God has created that you are supposed to dominate over. You can only find completion in him. So innovation is the combination of old things in new ways. Creativity is not found in things around you, but within your ears, and that is your mind. That is your mind. Your most creative tool or resource that God has given to you is your mind. And that is why I have a problem with religion. Where we're expected to dump down our minds or dump our minds at the door when we engage with God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with your mind. So he expects that our mind will come into play. What happens is, yes, I know that we need to create a balance. Because there's a way you now start to, you know, lodge your intellectual prowess over your spirit. And that's not what God is asking us to do. But God is saying, I have given you a tool, which is your mind, through which I expect to, because I have breathed my breath in your spirit, I expect your mind to be able to see differently, to be able to capture divine thoughts, to be able to incubate strategic ideas and solutions that will change your life and change your world. That is God's expectation of us. Creativity is a matter of sight. Eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are scarce. 
So all of us have eyes here, right? I believe. And we are all looking. But how many people are truly seeing? You know, you meet some people in your life's journey and you just marvel because the way they interpret things, the, their perspective to issues is out of this world. Those are people that are seeing. You and I are looking with our mere eyes. But God is calling us to begin to see differently and to gain divine perspective on matters. So where someone is seeing wheat, seeing flour, someone else is seeing bakery. Where someone is seeing, you know, sheep or seeing cow, someone else is seeing shoes and clothing. There's a difference. Someone else is seeing cow for food. Someone else is seeing shoe that can be made. There's a huge difference between looking and seeing. Sight is rare. Innovation demands us to see differently. And God doesn't see problems, but rather he sees opportunities and is expecting same of us. He's expecting same of us. So part of how we, this morning I'm going to demonstrate that we share God's creative acumen is number one, the power to imagine. The power to imagine. Imagination, capacity to see things differently. Capacity to imagine something that doesn't readily or obviously appear. And to then superimpose that on a situation. The invisible things. There's an invisible realm that you and I need to step up again to be able to access. And to begin to download things from that invisible realm. Even the faith that we've been called to, the faith that we have, is not the faith that sees before it believes. It's the faith that believes before it sees. So what is it in your life? What is it on your journey that you have been looking at with just your mere sight? This morning, it's a challenge to begin to see things differently. To begin to see opportunities where problems and challenges lie. To begin to see solutions that are possible. The power of imagination. So Gideon, an example. The guy obviously thought nothing good could come out of him. When the angel visits him, scripture records that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, two things. I know... There's a way you can look at Gideon and, and you feel like, yes, he was doing this out of cowardice. Because obviously, there was a, for the benefit of those who don't know this story, his land was under siege. Okay, There was a lot of war going on in there. They were being oppressed by enemy nations. And so, he was threshing wheat in a wine press. What do you do in a wine press? You press wine. <laughs> but... Obviously, he couldn't thresh wheat where it was, the, where it was the designated point. But the boldness and the capacity to even thresh wheat in that place speaks to something. Every other person could have given up and said, look, it's not possible. We'll be hungry. The enemy has taken over. But the ability to be able to repurpose an odd, an uncomfortable situation, to still be able to produce some good, is something that God respects. And so when the angel shows up, he says to him, mighty man of valor, starts to call him who he is because Gideon wasn't seeing himself in that light. That's an example. 
So the question to you this morning is, what, is, what situation are you currently in that you have given up hope and you believe you are waiting for external circumstances to change in your favor? What can you start to do given the current challenges in your education, in your, you know? And I say this with every sense, I'm, I'm really grateful that ASU strike is over. But I know that I am in the period, the few people that I had en engaged with, some of our Unilag students and you know, people in different schools, my question always to them was, what are you doing with this season? What are you doing? There's a high likelihood you would never have this season again till you graduate. Now, there's a way you can sit and cry and react and say, oh, ASU has extended my four-year course. And now I'll be using six years. I'll spend six years. But I met some really smart and intelligent young people who had used that time to start to build work experience. You know, by the time you graduate now, I mean, there was a whole conversation on the LifePoint WhatsApp group and it left me chuckling when I was catching up last night. And, you know, but they will, you will graduate and they say one to, one, or, one to two year experience. Where do you want to find the experience from? You've just finished school. It means you're automatically, you know, out of the equation. What do you do in your wilderness season? What are you doing in that season of quietness where everybody seems to be making advancement and it looks like you are stagnant? What are you doing with that season? Power of imagination, what are you seeing? Samson, the Philistines came to him and all he had around him was the jawbone of a donkey and he took them out. Scripture says he killed all the Philistines with that jawbone. If you and I were there, perhaps our mind would never have considered that a jawbone can be a tool, a weapon of mass destruction. What are you seeing? What is in your hands? And that's a question that someone else needs to ask themselves. What is in my hand? What, what are the gifts? What are the talents? What are the abilities? Have I considered them too small or not enough? What am I doing with what God has given to me? What, how am I seeing this gift? The power of imagination. The next is the capacity to initiate change. Capacity to initiate change is the ability to see what is without being enslaved by it. And someone who models this for us very clearly is David, unlocking his creative power in fighting Goliath in an unconventional way. Again, like Samson too. But David got to a point where all Saul and his men knew were the tools that had been tested and trusted. And Paul, um, David would say to them, no, let me work with these tools. These are more, I am more familiar. They looked insufficient. They looked too small. They looked inconsequential. They looked like it would not make an impact in taking down Goliath. And so where Saul and his men were seeing a David that was about to go and die, David was seeing a Goliath that had been brought down. So what are you seeing and how are you seeing your situation? Capacity to initiate change is extremely important. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. That's what scripture says in that Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light. But the Spirit of God was present there, even in the darkness, even in the formless state. And that is a strong reminder that regardless of whatever it is you are going through, God is in it with you. What we don't do enough is to leverage his spirit on our inside, to receive guidance and direction on how best to position 
and what to do. We don't seek his face enough. And he wants us to do this. Because there is so much potential that can be delivered in a state of rest. And I will get into rest. But I'm speaking to someone here who's in a wilderness season. I'm also speaking to someone here who has been innovating. You've been deploying your creative potential. But you have gotten comfortable. And God is saying there is more ahead. I'm calling you to more. I'm reminded of the makers of, uh, you know, Nokia and the likes. Who at some point got comfortable. They were cleaning out in terms of their bottom line, making a lot of money. But look, where are they today? They're struggling. Perhaps if they had been agile enough to keep, and I know I'm about to shade Apple and Samsung because there's no keeping up with them. It looks like on a yearly basis. Now, in fact, I think some of these adjustments are just ridiculous for plenty money. But it's the reality of the world that we live in. But just little, little changes there. They have called it something brand new. How are you innovating? How are you deploying your creative potential in your industry? What are you known for? Are you the one with the traditional, one-dimensional mindset? This is how we've always been. When you're not a civil servant, and I mean no disrespect to civil servants. I mean, they are amazing people doing great work. Amen. But you can't be, you can't just be, ah, this is how we've always done it. And so when young people come into your organization and they're looking to deploy change, bringing fresh ideas, you are the one that is resisting. You're never giving innovation an opportunity to thrive. As an employer of labor, how are you enabling your staff to be productive on their roles? How are you giving them room to solve problems? How are you helping them harness their creative potential? Or are you the one who's very quick to shut down ideas? And that speaks to a team lead too. So you're a manager here, you lead. As long as you lead people, whether it's your family you are leading, there's room at the table for everyone to share their opinion. You'd be amazed what children, what ideas can come out of, you know, the lips of your children. Once you give them room to think and to talk. The third is continuous improvement mindset. Continuous improvement. And you know, it's interesting because the model for this one is God. Is God. So scripture would say in that Genesis 1, and God created the heavens and the earth. And God made the firmament, he made the seas, he separated the waters from the water, you know. And he would do all these things. What was that thing that kept featuring in every verse? And God saw it and said it was what? God saw it and said it was what? Some people are snoozing up on me. God help you. God saw it and said it was good. But guess what? Do you know that in the same scripture there, there was a verse that jumps out where it says, and God said that it is not good for man to be alone. Ever seen that scripture? So how will the God of the universe who created everything and called good, 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 then get to a point and say, this one needs a, a retweak. This one needs us to tinker with it. Not because man was not perfect. It, by design, man was perfect. But God saw, again, capacity for sight that... Not for now, but in the coming days, man should not be alone. Man needs a helpmate. And so let's fix this. So if God, in all of his almightiness, would tweak a plan, would adjust, 
would recreate you and I. What is our excuse? Are you going back to that strategy? In fact, for some organizations now, their strategy is literally like on a monthly basis now. Especially if you are like maybe import dependent or you need to spend FX and all. Your budget will just be flying every year. Your variance, will, I mean every month, your variance is, your budget variance is like far left. Why? Because there's a lot of volatility and uncertainty in our environment. And so the world by design already puts pressure on you and I to keep reviewing our plans and revising them by the help of the Holy Ghost. But some of us don't want to put in that work and we're just comfortable not wanting to improve. Now let me speak to us as individuals. How are you growing yourself? We've started preparing for 2023. A lot of us have started making plans. But what are you intentionally doing to upskill? What are you doing to be marketable? What are you doing to be that desired talent that can be hired? What are you doing for our brothers and sisters that are still in school to come out tops? Because we recognize that the job market is very interesting. Yes, God will provide a job for you. But go and look at the kinds of people God would use here in scripture. So while he may not be looking for first-class students, but he's looking for people who can apply their minds. And a lot of organizations need people that can demonstrate capacity to apply their minds. And guess what? So everybody's applying their minds. But you know what? You stand out. Why? Because your mind is the mind of Christ. Amen. I thought that would get somebody excited. Because you operate with the mind of Christ. That puts you above but you cannot operate with the mind of Christ when you don't have a relationship with him. You can't. Let me run through very quickly. Last point, multiplication and exponential growth. God in his design from the very beginning empowered mankind for fruitfulness, for multiplication, and for dominion. His creative process did not end until he had concluded a system of succession and delegation. So when he created the form of everything, then he handed over to man, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Fill it, subdue it. Man was delegated. In your small sphere of influence, or large as the case may be, how are you empowering people to continue to multiply and increase their creative potential? What are you doing? What are you doing differently? What are you doing differently? We need to infuse that multiplication protocol in everything that we do. Empowering people, enabling people, creating an enabling environment for people to be able to deploy their gifts, their talents, and their abilities. If you're in an organization that stifles you, except you have a word from God that has said you should stay, that they don't allow you fulfill potential. They don't, it is, their word is law. I've not said leave all, but go and pray. Let's start from there. Because I know someone will say, but there's no job in the market. Go and pray. Perhaps you are there for such a time as this to learn, for your character to be developed. But it's important you understand. See, guys, I think fundamentally is to understand that your life, life is to be lived in the spirit. I don't know how else to put it. You cannot live your life ordinary. You can't. You'll be shortchanging yourself. Do you know what scripture says about the people of the world? Do you know what they do to get their high? Do you know what, how they get their creativity and what influences them? You, drugs, you don't do. Uh, you don't take loud, you don't take ice, you didn't take weed, 
you don't drink alcohol. You don't, there's nothing on the outside. You don't go and, what's that one that we're doing? Okay, I said we. That they were doing some time back. Cut soap for me, cut soap for me. You don't used to go to one baba to cut soap for you. You don't do all those things. And then we say, come and pray. Read the word. Declare scripture. You cannot do. Ah, let me, thank you. Problem. Problem. You are short changing yourself. You have to pick a side. As you prepare for 2023, you need to be serious with God. This is a call to be serious with God. This morning, we spent time here studying the book of Ephesians. Some of you couldn't make it. That's fine. But I hope that you are studying the word. I hope that even if you couldn't make it here for congregational prayers yesterday, I hope you are praying in your personal closet. Because even as we do these corporate gatherings, we also encourage very strongly your personal devotion. It is critical. Scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But some of us posture as though is the person in your office, the flesh that you can touch is your problem. There is a spirit. Scripture will record concerning God at some point. He says, I regret making man because the heart of man is desperately wicked. These are the forces that we contend with. And this is not to scare you. Because if you go to the book of Ephesians, if you have been coming for Bible study, you would have seen that in Scripture, in Ephesians, when it says that what? Christ is the head. We are what? The body and the feet is who? Christ. So it means that all, and scripture says all things have been put under his feet. By implication, what does that mean? All things are under my feet. All things are under your feet too. And so when you don't know the authority that you have, and you don't know because it has not been revealed to you. You don't know, it has not been revealed to you because you have not searched for it. You've not sat with the word. You've not spent time abiding in God's presence. In the secret place where his people are preserved from harm, from destruction, from the goings on in the world. And we see how this is modeled. When you look at the children of Israel, when they were in Egypt and the plagues were up and down, left, right and center. Scripture says what? That there was no darkness in Goshen, there was light. The children of God were preserved. That is the mandate that we have as his children. That is what he wants to do to us, to preserve us regardless of the goings-on in our world. But you must sit with him. You must sit with him. And so I want us to pray. But two things that I need to just, the how, just in case somebody's wondering. So how do I harness my potential as a co-creator with God? The first thing is to unlock your creative power. You will have to contend with spiritual forces. I've spoken about that extensively. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6. Please note it down so you can study it when you get home then you need to leverage the wisdom of God. Scripture says that Christ has been made to us the power of God and the wisdom of God. So as you leverage the wisdom at the power dimension, you must also bring to bear the wisdom of God. Where you sit and show up at meetings and the, the, the kind of solutions that come out of you, the kind of solutions that you produce, even if it is in your little business, just in case someone is wondering, but you've been speaking about boardroom, boardroom, your small business or your small organization where you are, you can turn things around. You can be light there. Light is meant to shine. Salt is meant to preserve. If a business is going under, that you are responsible for, they have made you the CEO, they made you the MD, and it is, things are falling apart. Now I know that, yes, there are organizational dy uh, dynamics where people don't listen, where you bring forth these solid ideas, 
but they don't take them. That is not on you. But God knows that you've played your part. But when they do listen, there must be a turnaround, a visible turnaround. And so this morning, we're going to be praying about those challenging situations on the job, in your business, in your personal life. Those things that are contending with you. You know, those things that are striving for your peace. Those things that are limiting you. Whatever appears to be a mental struggle, we'll be speaking to them this morning. The second thing is creativity is incomplete without a system to rest, to restore, and to replenish. And this one is very important, guys. And I said it because it's one of the things God is dealing with me on. When you're choleric, you can just want to be going and going and going. And when you're choleric and melancholic, you want to also solve all the problems of the world. But God rested. Rest is spiritual. Let me tell your neighbor, rest is spiritual. It's very important. Rest is spiritual. Scripture says God created, very methodical. And then he rested. One day, in fact, so much so that that day became instituted as the Sabbath. Rest is important. And your rest time can be spent just distressing. Your rest time can be spent thinking. We don't think enough in our generation. We don't. Because if we do, some of the outcomes of decisions made, it will not end that way. In premium tiers. We don't think enough. So what we need to do as we plan for 2023 from this month, carve out thinking time. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but guess what, guys? Hey, how many people have seen, is it American Gangster and Abby Godfather? It's one of those two movies. They're very old. Yeah. I think it's Godfather. I'm not sure. But this guy will sit in a room that has nothing. How many people have watched Priscilla Shira's uh, War Room? Mm-hmm. Okay, see now. I'm now looking like if... I'm the, please let nobody carry me again this week or oh, that I am recommending <laughs> movies. But sometimes we need to learn, we need to borrow sense from the world. And it's painful because the children of the world, and that's what Jesus was speaking to, the children of the world eh, are wiser than the children of light. With all of the light that you have, I wonder why Jesus would say, but isn't these little things? This guy, obviously, no, doesn't have a relationship with God. But he will sit Maybe three days or so. Endless. Nothing in the room. And all he does is thinks. No light. So no distraction. He just sits there and he's thinking. You and I, we're busy gallivanting up and down. Busyness is one of the ways the devil steals from us. And so he would package your life to be very busy. I pray in the name of Jesus that your eyes will be open to see the irrelevances you've gotten yourselves involved in and to cut away everything that is not relevant so that you can make time for what is important in Jesus' name. It is a strategy the devil uses to cloud our minds, busyness, and to stifle our ability to be and to do what God expects of us because he wants us to just be busy and to be going you know, hard work is great, but it is more important to find time to rest your mind so that God can brood on your mind. And so what we as God's children can do, you know, in your, with your think, thinking time is to meditate. Meditate on scripture. Pick up a problem. Find a relevant scripture that God gives you concerning that matter. And just think. Think on it. Think on it. We should do something. Where's David Lider? We should do something about meditation in Bible study very soon. Okay. 
So go ahead and declare, I rest because I trust that God is in control. I rest because I know that I'm not God and that he has me covered. I rest because I know that all things must work for my good. And so I rest in his love. I rest in his grace. In Jesus' name. All across the room and online, go ahead and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. We'll spend the next uh, five to ten minutes praying. Um, and I know that service production team, please bear with me. Just go ahead and begin to talk to God this morning. Talk to God wherever it is that this message has touched you. What needs to change in your life? Go ahead and begin to talk to him. And as you do that, let's take this declaration together. And I want you to have this at the back of your mind. See, there's nothing that God is asking you to do that he has not already equipped you for. There is no vision, there's no assignment that he has called you to, that he has not given you the grace, the capacity, and everything you require to get it done. Jesus would be teaching at some point, and the 5,000 people that he was speaking to were hungry. And Jesus would, his disciples saw the problem. They came to him and they said, Master, let's send them on their way. The people are hungry. They saw the problem. And their solution was, let's ask them to go home, which is logical. But Jesus would say to them, no, don't send them home. You feed them. You feed them. Jesus would ask them to do something that was humanly impossible because they did, as far as they were concerned, they did not have the resources to. But Jesus was speaking to, you know, the spirit in them, hoping that they would see differently, that they had the capacity to fix this. And so what is that you feed them situation that is before you right now? That it looks like it's beyond your professional qualification. It looks like it's beyond your experience. It looks like it's beyond your financial capacity. It looks like it's beyond your human connections. What is that you feed them task or assignment or vision that you have before you this morning? Would you go ahead and begin to pray to God and declare, I have more than I see. I have more than I see. I have an innovative spirit. I will begin to dream new dreams and see new visions. My pillow becomes like a ladder that I climb to the heavens as I lay to sleep. I see things that only God sees. I see old problems looking new. I don't see them as problems, I see them as challenges. I see them as opportunities. The things that seem impossible suddenly begin to look easy. Not because they changed, but because I've changed. My mind is renewed. My mind is transformed. The creative ability of God resides on the inside of me. I am a co-creator with God. I can do all things. I can fix impossible situations because the explosive power of God infuses me with strength, causing me to overcome every challenge and every difficulty. In the name of Jesus, 
Would you turn that into your prayer this morning and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? And if you don't have a prayer language, just begin to declare, I have the creative mind of God. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things. I have an innovative spirit. I begin to see differently. Ah, with my eyes, I see differently. I gain divine perspective. I think differently. I think solutions. I think strategies. Ah, witty inventions. The spirit of witty inventions resides on my inside. In the name of Jesus, creative solutions come out of me. All across the room and online, just go ahead and continue to pray. I'd like to very quickly just request that a group of people in the next two minutes come out. I want to pray for everyone that is currently dealing with barriers to creativity. Anyone who feels the need to be under the influence of a certain drug or a certain condition to be creative. I want to pray with you this morning and I'm asking you to come forward. As people continue to pray and talk to God, you are dealing with barriers to creativity, mental strongholds and limitations. You are dealing with distractions, frustrations. Some of those distractions can include financial challenges. That is preventing those creative juices from flowing because you are encumbered with problems. Would you come out this morning and pray? You're dealing with spiritual dryness. I ask that you come forward as well. You are dealing with fear. Fear. Come forward. Come forward quickly. You're dealing with limiting thoughts and beliefs from past failures or negative experiences. Perhaps you have tried to innovate. You've tried to create things, but it hasn't worked out. And so that negative experience has kept you under, has caused you to be in, in a state of perpetual fear. Come forward this morning. You're dealing with depression or a lack of passion for accomplishment. You are dealing with a lack of hunger this morning. Come forward. You are dealing with a toxic environment that is limiting your capacity to pray, your capacity to create, to innovate. This morning, come forward. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to ask the pastors to very quickly begin to just hold hands and declare, declare God's word over them. Just speak a word very quickly. Can I have the oil? As that is ongoing, I'm just going to go ahead and anoint you. Scripture says anointing breaks the yoke. And as we do this this morning, we don't do this often here. But I will do this and as I anoint you in the name of Jesus, I want you to believe that God has touched you. He's here. He's in the room. He has touched you and he has set you free from every limiting mindset. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope that the message has blessed your heart. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng. For more information about us and all our other resources, please visit www.lifepointng.org.